Today's episode of the Republic of Football is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raj, with the College Football Insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work on TexasFootball.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give us a five-star review. Follow me on Twitter at Shahan J. Raj. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can email us, you can Snapchat us, whatever you want to do. And we're joined by another special guest today. We've got Ishmael Johnson, a colleague over here. Yeah. Ishmael, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Well, make sure and check out the basketball magazine that should be coming out in the next couple weeks. Yeah, should be filtering in. We just got our copies here in the studio, uh, or here in the office, I should say. And yeah, should be hitting the stores pretty soon, filtering out slowly. Yeah, so. make sure and check it out. Man, it's... It's crazy to me always whenever I come in here and, and just see how much there is. Yeah. <laughs> just how much there is. You, you know, come in, there's like a new magazine or something dropping or something. Well, and, and these things are just so thorough. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've tried to like even show my parents and stuff like that, and I'm sure. trying to explain to them just there are like 1,400 schools in this <laughs> The state. magnitude of everything. Right. right. And just having to go through everything. It's crazy. You'll it's see crazy. When, we, when we get started on the uh, next summer's football magazine, oh. you'll, get, you'll get started because – I didn't know until I got involved, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, this is this is this is a bear." <laughs> it, oh, it sure it's a sounds lot. Like it. Seeing it from the inception is always pretty cool. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we do in in the football magazine is, of course, the all Texas college team. Yep. You know, we, we one of the cool things about Dave Campbell is that we do something that I feel like nobody else does. Sure. And we really focus on the state and the state's football scene like nobody else. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that again today. Today we're going to release the midseason All Texas College team. Uh, only the offensive team is out on the website. Check mm -hmm. it out on TexasFootball.com. We'll be releasing the other team, the defensive team, tomorrow. But we'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek of that too. <laughs> you know, like some exclusive content for the for the podcast there subscribers. You go. Give people what they want. But let's go ahead and get started with the offense. We just wanted to run through a little bit. So quarterback. It has to be Mason Fine. Yeah, you mentioned it in your piece. It's the easiest pick, right? Right. Um, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Right, right, and right. Really, it, it's, it, also, it has to do with, one, how good Mason, great Mason Fine has been, Absolutely. obviously. But even that, the fact that he's kind of dipped the past couple weeks, he created such a, a lift with his first couple games, you know, two consecutive 400-yard passing games. Uh, they go to beat Arkansas, obviously. And also, it hasn't hurt that, like, the rest of the state really hasn't had that great sure. of play. And so he separated himself so much. Yeah, and, and I do, you know, the other guy that I really considered for this, and, and fine was the obvious choice, mm -hmm. but Derek King has been tremendous. Sure, at exactly. Houston. Sure. You know, he's been really, really good. He's contributed a whole ton to their winning. Um, you know, Alan Bowman had a couple great games, but mm -hmm. it's just, it's way too early. Right. You know, he's only played a couple of games. Um, Charlie Brewers looked really good. Sam Ellinger, his improvement has really helped spur Texas offense. Exactly. But... You know, I don't think that you can compare them to what Mason Fine is doing right now at North Texas. That's an easy one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it got a little harder after that. <laughs> yeah, you start to get to like, okay, oof. Like, no one's really separating themselves from the right. pack. Because um, you mentioned running, uh, we're going to go on to running back now. Right. Keontae Ingram, Travion Williams. Yeah. Travion's a no-brainer. Travion's a no-brainer. He is A&M's offense for the most part consistently. Right. Uh, Mond likes to step in and be... And, and I do, actually. At quarterback, Mond has been tremendous, Right, too. exactly. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's a good one we forgot to mention. But Travion Williams is a no-brainer. Outside of him, I mean, Keontae Ingram, he's played fantastic, 
but the numbers aren't necessarily what you would expect from a guy to be the you know second best running back in the state. Yeah, well, and and you know you use that word best. Mm-hmm. You know he's clearly the second best in the state. Sure, but. To be sort of one of the two guys to be named to this kind of honor. The production level. Right. right. And it's not his fault. Right. It's because he's been hurt partially and because Tom Herman, for whatever reason, has chosen to take the ball out of his hands, too. Yeah. But, uh, but look, at the same time, Ingram has provided a huge spark to this offense. The, the offense is just so different when he's on the field. Right. I think that a lot of people were worried that he was going to be another Texas bust of a running back. Oh, yeah. And he has not turned the Oh, no. It's his freshman year. Oh, you know, no. we'll still wait. But he's looked to be really awesome and lived up to the hype. Yeah. It, it's kind of terrifying to think that, at minimum, there's going to be two full years left of Keontae Ingram. Right. In it, the state oof, of Texas. Whew, that's going to be fun. Uh, but when you look outside of that, I mean, who you're looking at, Maybe his running back mate Watson, but also you go yeah. to Rice with Austin Walter, um, Manuel Supa there as well. Yeah, they've been pretty good, they've but you know good, neither has been great. Right, exactly. And then uh, you know even look across the state, our preseason pick was Xavier Jones at SMU. He's been hurt a lot of the year. Yeah. Uh, you know at at TCU, Darius Anderson's been kind of inconsistent, mm-hmm. and the offensive line play hasn't been very good. Sure. Uh, at Baylor, you know, Jamichael Hasty's been a little banged up, and they just rotate so much that there's not really a guy. Exactly. Um, and even, I, actually, at UTSA might be the biggest disappointment for me, just with right. with the way that they're not able to pass the football. Uh, Jalen no Rhodes chance. and B.J. Daniels, yeah, they're not getting free. And, and these were two guys who I thought could be one of the best pairings in the in the state. Absolutely. But it just hasn't happened as yet. And uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know if it will, but... Again, I mean, Ingram, we can say what we want about him not getting as many touches as other guys, but when he's on the field, Texas is different, and ultimately, that was just the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And moving on to wide receivers now, this, was a, <laughs> this is always a position in the state of Texas that's really hard. Oh, yeah. Um, so we ended up going with Lil Jordan Humphrey from Texas, Rico Bussey from North Texas, and Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech. And I think Antoine Wesley was the biggest no-brainer on this board. Sure. He... You know, I know everybody's going to talk about his Houston game where he had 261 yards and three touchdowns, but he's been a lot more than just that one game. Mm-hmm. He's actually posted 80 yards in five of his six games so far this season. <sighs> he, he's been really good. He's yeah. been a, a consistent target. And heading into the year for Texas Tech, I think we kind of thought that maybe T.J. Vasher was going to be the only guy yeah. that we had any faith in, right? Right. And Vasher's been out the majority of the year, and their receiving core has just still kept clicking. it going. They're still yeah. clicking, man. Whenever If you can find it, normally when these lists come out, you're going to have a Texas Tech receiver. Sure. And the fact that Antoine Wesley's been that guy uh, has been a little bit surprising considering oh, the preseason no hype, considering Vasher. But go to, to go to another little surprise, Rico Bussey. He was supposed to be the third receiver. He was supposed to be the third receiver, and it's still arguable that he's probably the, not the most talented, no. or gifted, but he's been putting up the numbers, man. Uh, Jalen Guyton has probably been receiving a little bit more attention from defenses yeah. this year. They're like, oh, after last season, they're like, oh, we probably should right, pay attention right, to this right, guy. Right. And Rico Bussey's like, okay, man, I'll just right. get in space and I'll make plays. Exactly. And that's all he's done, and, man. It's been and, impressive. And that's the thing, right, is that it's not like Guyton's taking a step back. Right. Bussey's taking a step forward. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael Lawrence, unfortunately, has kind of taken a little bit of a step back. And right. he's not being featured as much. But that's not because he's not playing well. It's because these other guys have been so dang good. Yeah, I didn't know Bussey, uh, you mentioned your piece, led, leads the conference in touchdowns. He has eight touchdowns eight this year. Touchdowns. That's kind of ridiculous. That's <laughs> really ridiculous. And and the third one was actually hard too because Humphrey and Colin Johnson are so close. Right. Right. They're they're similar types of players. Their numbers are very similar. Johnson has one more touchdown. Uh, touchdown. Mm-hmm. Humphrey has a few more receiving yards. Yeah. 
ultimately I went with Humphrey just because it seems like he's come up biggest in all of Texas' biggest spots. Right, and their numbers are real. Like, I think they're within so, 10 yards of each so other. Similar. Like, a couple catches. But, yeah, you mentioned it. Little Jordan Humphrey comes up when they need a score, right? When they need a when they need a first down. When they, it seems like when they need a the passing big, touchdown. When they need a passing <laughs> touchdown, right? They uh, his name is the one that always comes up in the big moments, and I think that yeah, I think you're correct. That's what separates him from Colin Johnson. Right yeah, now. and and Johnson's been fantastic. So that's mm-hmm. absolutely not intended. If, if, to be yeah, enough. right. If if this list, if somebody comes out with their own list and they want Colin Johnson, uh, sure. Like if, if there was a fourth spot, Colin Johnson's probably the fourth receiver on the list. But exactly. there's so many other guys too to talk about. I mean, James Prochet at SMU. Yeah, it kind of stinks that we're not talking about him yeah. just because he's he's their one weapon. Right, their it, offense is taking a step back, and he's kind of he's kind of been the victim of that. He can't really you can't really say he's been worse. The no. offense has been worse, and yeah. so it's like of yeah. course he's naturally going to have yeah. worse numbers. And, and and actually, when he's played and when they've targeted him, his numbers are still pretty dang good. Yeah, but it's just the rest of the roster isn't stepping up in plays. Another guy who's just, it's very disappointing and not his fault at all. Mm-hmm. Jalen Rager. Yeah, again, quarterback it, play. It, it's just the numbers. You, you can't, I mean, unfortunately, Sean Robinson's just not done a good enough job of getting him the ball. And sure. and Rager's open so much of the sure. time, and they just can't exactly. get it to him. And he's had some big plays and some big moments. And, I mean, if you're talking pure talent, he, he might be number one in the States. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it might not even be might. It might be he is. One thing looking at both of these guys, Rager and Prochet, Rager's best two games? Against Ohio State and Texas, yeah. Prochet's best two games: Michigan and UCF. Wow, they're playing. They're playing at their best against the top teams. Whoa. And you look at you look at Prochet yeah. at Michigan: eleven catches, one sixty-six, two, kept pit, them in two touchdowns. Uh, at UCF: twelve catches, hundred touchdowns, two touch, uh, hundred yards. Sorry, two touchdowns. Jalen Rager, Ohio State: seven catches, ninety-eight yards. Against Texas, eight catches, 96 yards. Both of these guys are playing their best when their teams need them Definitely. because they need, you know, they need a target, they need Definitely. a spark, and they're living up to it. So it shows that both of these guys are probably the most purely talented right. receivers. Right. They're just in situations that are just really rough. Yeah, and I mean, again, there's so many other names to mention. I mean, Denzel Mims has been hurt yeah. a lot of this year. He was a preseason pick for us. Uh, Guyton, as we mentioned, has mm-hmm. been really good. Uh, Jamin Osborne got hurt as well. Uh, and, and now that means that another player stepped up in, in his wake, yeah. which we'll get to in just a moment. But um, I'm trying to think of who else. Again, Colin Johnson. Uh, Duvernay's played better this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Marquez Stevenson. I don't want to forget him oh, yeah. from, from Houston. Sure, he, sure. He's been tremendous this year. Leaving him off was very difficult. But that's just how deep the position is in the States. Oh, but, yeah. but the Texas A&M player, tight end. Yeah, Jay Sternberg. I'm a little heartbroken about this one for different reasons, but we can <laughs> we can we can talk we'll about we can talk about how good Jay Sternberg has been. Yeah, well, he leads the the nation right now in receiving yards and, and touchdowns among tight ends. Mm-hmm. And look, the running joke among Texas A&M fans under Kevin Sumlin was, "Man, we need to throw to the tight ends." Right. And everyone was like, oh, come on, stop saying it. can't be that. It's stop fine. Saying it. like, and uh, maybe they were onto something, right? <laughs> he's turned out to be really good. Yeah, yeah. No, Sternberger's been tremendous for them. He's coming up with every big grab and every big moment. He's been a real security blanket for Kellen Mond, which oh, yeah. has been important. Which is what you need, especially in a system like Jimbo Fisher's where oh, there's yeah. so much complication going on. There's like, right. you know what? There's the tight end. I need a safety blanket. Right. I need a safety valve right here. He's been tremendous. Of course, the guy that you're talking about, Texas State <sighs> tight end. Keenan Brown, Brown is the one guy that Texas State has on offense. <laughs> and you know what? He's the best player on that whole roster. He is. And it's really awesome um, that I think we joked about it a little bit where it's like, 
I don't care if Texas State doesn't win another game if he's in New York for the Mackey presentation. <laughs> if they get him to New York do they for do the, the Mackey. New York, they do that in Atlanta, don't they, at the College Football Award Show? Is it? I Either way, it, if he's on some plane <laughs> headed to some award show for the Mackey Award, I would, that would be absolutely, I'll be over the moon yeah. for that. Because he, this guy's been awesome. Out of nowhere, too. Right. Um, I like to consider myself, you know, still kind of tapped into the program. Of course. When he came in, I was like, I don't know. Okay, okay, Oklahoma State transfer. Sure. I don't know much about him. You know, he didn't have that many yards at Oklahoma State. Now I'm really starting to wonder why, right. <laughs> especially how Oklahoma State's offense right, looking. I'm right, like, right. you could use a guy like this. He's 250 pounds. He's a great blocker. Yeah. He, absolute incredible receiving threat. Yeah. Uh, we joked that their only touchdown drive against Georgia uh, against uh, Georgia Southern was uh, set up because of an end around to him. An end around to the tight end. How does that happen? 61 yards. I don't know, but yeah, uh, Jay Sternberger. I'm sorry, this is the wrong year for you to be going off, my man. <laughs> this should be Keenan Brown's year. But unfortunately, I can't argue with Jay Sternberg yeah. because uh, I really like what he's doing for A&M. And, and he's doing it in the SEC, right? And yeah. so, but uh, yeah, Keenan Brown, that's my, that's my honorable mention, man. Yeah, he's up there yeah. for me. <laughs> and, and the other guys, you know, I mean, Andrew Beck has been good for Texas. Exactly. Yeah, he he was Beck. a preseason pick, but just not on the level of those two right now. Sure. Um, you know, there there haven't been a whole ton of standout tight ends right now in the con- in, in the state, and I mean, this isn't a state that runs a lot of tight end action anyway. So, yeah. um, but but those two guys have really stood apart. I still love a good tight end, though, man. I oh, want, I want the tight end to come back. When in, it in when state. it works, man, it works. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I, I've really been starting to enjoy me some H back lately. Oh, okay. Just getting some stuff out of the backfield. Yeah. Oh, man, just lose track of it. it's it's fantastic. <laughs> Moving on to the offensive line. Uh, so there are five guys here. TCU offensive tackle Lucas Niang, he's been really the only bright spot, in my opinion, on that t- TCU offense, other than Rager, of sure, sure, Turpin, sure. of course. But, um, but he's been the guy who's consistently been there every single week, uh, been very consistent at left tackle. Jack Anderson, he might be the best player on that Texas Tech offense, just a tremendously talented player. Will Noble, mm. I, I was looking at some of uh, Houston's stats yesterday. They've only allowed one sack this year. Wow. And their That's offense impressive. has been going off right and and their offensive line has played a big part in that and noble's really the leader of that group paul stewars i don't know if i'm saying that right mm. but the texas tech he's actually center but i saw him at guard don't don't tell me yeah it's fine <laughs> but uh but he's actually been very consistent too he hasn't allowed a, a single quarterback hit this year from the middle um and obviously texas tech's offense has been very consistent sure. both in the running and passing game between uh stewars and and jack anderson and then at the other tackle, Calvin Anderson at Texas, I think he's really helped to come in, replace Connor Williams, and there's been a lot of improvement across that Texas offensive line. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was really debating between putting Elijah Rodriguez in there, too. He's been very good. Right. But this Texas offensive line has gotten a lot better, and Anderson's arrival has been a big part. Yeah, he's lived up to the hype. There was a lot of hype surrounding him. You know, he was a, he's a future, future NFL right. player, high, high He was the pick. hottest commodity on the, on the transfer market. Exactly, and he's lived up, lived up to the hype. You know, people, some people had some questions. Uh, maybe the next step in, you know, talent would, you know, would get to him. Sure. No, the unit's been awesome, it. and that's been the, st- that's been the really – the weakness of Texas the past couple of years, oh, going yeah. back to Charlie Strong's first couple of years, year. and um, yeah, he's been he's been a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, it's kind of funny. This it hasn't been a tremendously strong offensive line year in the states. Yeah, usually you looked uh, one team kind of noticeably missing based off last couple of years. A and M. Yeah, A M's been that team where it's been like right. Sumlin knew how to recruit offensive linemen. Yep. Going back to Sherman, he knew how to recruit right. offensive linemen. 
they're noticeably not here, and yeah. and Eric McCoy's been hurt. That's, right, that's, that's fair. A that's big fair. part. That's he, fair. But you know, that's another center. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. that that's three centers potentially on this list. So th- there's been some good interior line play, but tackles. N- Niang has legitimately been excellent. Mm-hmm. Calvin Anderson's been very good. Sure. After that, honestly, a tackle it, it gets real dicey. It get, yeah, it's getting. Yeah, I'm trying to name another big tackle. Yeah, like in in the state. Yeah, and in A and M, you know, again they've had good tackle play, just not great tackle play. Sure. Uh, for Baylor, you know, they lose their starting tackle week one of the season, and Jake Free Morgan hasn't really stepped in to be that player quite as yet. Uh, TCU again, Yang's been great, but mm-hmm. they've kind of had a revolving door at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, you know, Texas again uh, with Anderson has been very good. UTSA is not very good. Uh, the uh, UNT offensive tackle, um, Jordan Murray, okay. has kind of gotten benched uh, mm-hmm. at, at a couple times this season. So, I mean, it, there's just not very many standouts right, right now. Right? And, and that's one of the hardest positions, if not the hardest position to recruit, is, oh, sure. is tackle. Sure. Um, but, I, I don't know, it's kind of a down year, which is a little disappointing, of course. But don't want to spend too long talking about that. Uh, moving on, so the utility player. I've kind of joked before. Mm-hmm. This is the Cavante Turpin Memorial Utility Player. <laughs> but unfortunately, I'm not giving it to Cavante Turpin this year. Yeah. He, he, and Turpin's been good. We'll, get, we'll talk about him in a minute. But Jalen Hurd. I don't know, man. This is a little bit of bias on your part. If I'm saying, no, I'm kidding. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, so, so, and the utility part of that, you know, he's primarily used as a receiver. Right. They've really used him a lot as a short yardage running back. No, it's, it, it, yeah. And he's been big for them. He's actually got three touchdowns on the year, all against Big 12 teams, too, because mm-hmm. they didn't really use him the first two weeks of the season in that role. Sure. Um, but, again, you know, at Tennessee, he was projected to be a top-two-round running back. Right. And he moved to Baylor because he wanted to play receiver because he wanted to have a longer career. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, if you're, a, if you're a running back listening to this podcast, maybe move to receiver yeah. just to, going into the NFL. Especially if you're a guy like Jalen Hurd, who probably might have been, should have been playing receiver already. Yeah, like he's six a good four. Six yeah, four. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he's gigantic. And, and look, he, his hands have been really inconsistent. Right. And I noticed that especially against Texas when right. they targeted him a couple times and it was right. like, ooh. Right. And, and that's one of the reasons why I feel better putting that utility than at wide receiver. Right. Because yardage-wise, I think he might actually only be behind Wesley on this list. Yeah. He's there yardage-wise, but yeah. the hands. Right. And so, But, you know, they've gone to him in so many big moments and so many big roles, and he's delivered for them. Right. I mean, really, he's been everything that Matt Rule's staff has been saying mm-hmm. that he's going to be just all over the field, contributing in many different ways. Absolutely. He's been huge for them, and so, you know, that's why I felt like he was the utility. Obviously, he's not the returner yeah. uh, that, that Kevontae Turpin is, and, and Turpin's clearly the best returner sure. in the conference. Sure. And, and he's taken a step forward, I think, uh, at wide receiver, too, even. Mm-hmm. But, like, just Robinson's not able yeah. to get in the ball consistently. Exactly. That's the, that's the way. It goes back to, yeah, I'm bugging you about the, <laughs> the, the bias thing. But, yeah, Turpin's been awesome still, but again, it has to do with the, the fact that Charlie Brewer knows how to get Jalen Hurd yeah. the ball. Uh, Matt Rule knows how to put him in situations to get for the sure, ball. For sure. Turpin's not there yet with being able to have a, re- uh, a good rapport with Sean Robinson. Sean Robinson's obsessed with turning the ball over, yeah. <laughs> and so that involves not getting the ball to come on to yeah. Turpin some more. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and you know, we'll, we'll finish out the offense. You yeah. know, kicker, eh, you know, special teams, but, you know, we yeah. usually re- uh, report it on offense. I went with Cole Headland, mm-hmm. the kicker at North Texas. That's a good solid one. So, Here's, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Headland missed two field goals and an extra point all against Louisiana Tech. One of them was blocked. Right. 
other than that, he's been perfect. Right. It, it, it was just that one it game. It was that one bad game. <laughs> right. And look, there, if you watched any of that Louisiana Tech game, a whole lot of things went bad. I did watch all of it. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't good. And you know what? Kickers are allowed an off day. You know, I I really did consider Cameron Dicker here, but I was actually a little surprised to see that he's missed five field goals. That's the thing. Like, there's been a misconception, obviously, because of the Red River. (laughs) And even going back to high school, he was a fantastic kicker in high school. I think that I don't know if Tom Herman's had overconfidence in him. Yeah. But he's had some really tough attempts. Like, I'm looking at some of his attempts where it's like 46, 47, 44. And I'm like... I don't want to say you're setting him up to fail, but you're certainly not setting him up to be efficient, right. especially as a freshman. Right. And so I think that's where it comes in where, you know, a lot of people have – he probably is a, he is a really good kicker, right? He's sure, able to kick. Sure. He's able to – you're able to throw him out there 40-plus and yes. rely on him. And I think just right now it's going to set him up to be to, – to have five misses, right? Yeah, when yeah. You, when you throw him out there for a 47-yarder. Yeah, I mean, so. I, think he, I think he kicked like a 51 or 52-yarder against Baylor. And sure. And like, okay. Right. <laughs> he's, right. he's 18. Exactly. And so, <clears throat> and so yeah, I think, I think Headland's fine. I think yeah. Headland's a good pick. But I don't want to think that – I don't want people to think that Dicker's not good no. or not as good as we thought. No, but no, no, no. he's, you know, he has so much talent that you're putting him in situations where he can right. fail a lot. Right. Right, and so you know, Dicker's going to clearly own this list for the next three years sure. after this, you know. But, but it's just right now, we're still waiting to see full-on consistency. Probably. Right, exactly. That's the thing: consistency and efficiency is what you right. want from a kicker. And you know, whether or not he, whether these are long field goals or not, Dicker's missing field goals. Yeah. Headland's not. Right, right. Moving on to the defense, and again, like we mentioned, it'll be coming up tomorrow on TextFootball.com. So, the defensive line was kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Two spots were hard. Yes, yes. At all, he should specify. Well, and, and honestly, really, only one spot was hard. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, c- yes. Because yeah. Charles Manahy was taking a real step forward. Sure. I actually didn't really see the vision on him early in his career. Did right? not. And he's taken such a big step forward this year. He he's always been good at setting the edge, mm-hmm. but finally starting to kind of get all the way there. Right? right. He's starting to get all the way to the quarterback. He's starting to get all the way to make tackles for loss in the backfield. And really, Texas defensive line hasn't gotten a ton of pressure. Nope. Or they've gotten good pressure, but they haven't gotten sacks. Yeah, yeah. And Amenahue's the one example of a guy who is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Oliver, the biggest no-brainer. In, right. You know. that <laughs> was, I, was, I was mentioning, when I corrected myself <laughs> earlier, I was like, Mason Fine. I was like, well, Mason Fine's easy on offense. Yes, the defensive yes, one's yes. fine. Ed Oliver, yeah. you just write him in. And, right. and his numbers have been fine, but it's the, it's he's the, getting triple teams. I was about to say, yeah, it's the Jadavian Clowney effect, yes. where it's like, why isn't he getting sacks? So it was like, okay, because he's fighting the guard tackle in center. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's why. Right. And they know no one else on that. That's the other thing. No one else on the defense can make plays. No. And so Which has been you, disappointing. Right, exactly, because we kind of expected Houston's defense to be something and yeah. the offense to be kind of a mystery right. or inconsistent. Right. It's been the opposite. Offense has been awesome. Everybody but Ed Oliver has been pretty bad on defense, and right. so they're really paying the price for that this season. Yeah. The third defensive lineman, because I decided I decided we're playing three four, even sure. though pretty much everybody plays four two five at this point. But whatever. mainly, also that's because that it was hard to find a fourth defensive lineman. Uh, hard to find a fourth <laughs> defensive lineman, and hard to limit it to only four linebackers. Exactly. But I went with Ben Banigu, and he's been good. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been, I don't think, as good as we hoped. Sure. Uh, and, and part of that is because he's getting pressured, and and his pressure uh, and and the attention he's getting has really opened it up for L.J. Collier, right. has really opened it up for Corey Bethley. Um, and, and if they had Ross Blacklock, then I think that Banigou's numbers would be a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I still put him on the list. Uh, he's not as surefire a thing as I think we hoped. Sure. 
And he's fine. I mean, he's yeah. going to be a first-round NFL draft pick regardless. This is not the issue. It, it's the same sort of deal where they're giving him a lot of attention and mm-hmm. it's opening up. And luckily, TCU's defensive line can actually take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it just It's not a great year for defensive linemen either. Yeah, because, like, uh, you're, yeah, you're right. I'm, we've been, I think we had this discussion yesterday yeah. where it's like, when you get past right. four, four, five, you're like you're yeah. straining at five. You know, right. you're like, oh, what's, who's the who's the impact player right. that even you can project? Right. So James Lynch at Baylor uh-huh. is, is a big time player mm-hmm. to me. UNT Ladarius Hamilton has mm-hmm. really taken a big step forward this year. Unfortunately, sure. he didn't do it while he was wearing Mean Joe Green's number seventy five. But sure. other than that, he's sure. uh, he's been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Landis Durham ha- has, hasn't really done what we expected. No. Um, Kingsley Kiki, you know, he's kind of what he is. Yeah. Um, Dalen Mack kind of been Dalen Mack w- is in and out. Yeah. You know, he's had some good games, had some bad games. Um, you know, Tech's defensive line gets a lot of pressure, but it's really their linebackers making more plays. Sure. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's just not really a guy – now. Marcus Davenport's gone. Mm-hmm. There's not really another great group of five defensive linemen other than Ed Oliver. Right. So, well, and, and maybe Hamilton you throw in there too. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not – it's kind of tough, right? It's really tough. It, it's, it's kind of an off year. And, and it's a very young year too is mm-hmm. part of it. You know, as some of these guys get older, it'll, you know, become more – I mean, again, Texas is going to have a whole bunch of guys coming in right. that, uh, that are going to be terrifying <clears> on the defensive line, but they're not ready to play as yet. So. Right. But, yeah, so those three are who I went with. But, like I mentioned, I went with three uh, on the defensive line because finding some linebackers was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I went with North Texas linebacker EJ Ejia, Gary Johnson from Texas, Josiah Tawefa from UTSA, mm-hmm. and I went with Ty Summers. Yeah. And, and Ty Summers has kind of actually been floating back and forth between edge and between linebacker, mm-hmm. which I think made it perfect for a 3 4 <laughs> Right. <laughs> Just to slot him there. Um, Show your tactical. Yes, exactly. Your, your exactly. Tactical awareness. Exactly. There. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Ejia, to me, might be the most underrated linebacker in the state. Really? How many tackles for loss do you think he has? Ooh. Halfway through the season, seven games. God, I'm gonna get a ballpark number in general. I'm, just, I'm not looking at the Big Twelve conference yeah. or the. the what, I'm just looking at in general. Sure. I'm going to say tackles for loss. Say seven. Fourteen. <laughs> Fourteen tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, seven quarterback carries. And on top of that, 63 tackles in oh, seven man. games. Yeah. We're sleeping on him, man. I think it's also because we don't think of North Texas as defense. Right. right. And so we think of we think of Mason Fine, we think of that right. explosive offense, and we say, oh, can they patch up a defense? Man, I their didn't realize. Defense yeah, has been incredible. I was about to say I don't think we've really properly given props to how much yeah. their defense has improved. He's been the star. He's been the the do everything linebacker. <sighs> yeah. yeah, he's he's been crazy. Yeah, good. look at his numbers now. So he was okay. the first player that I put on this sure. list on on defense. Well, Ed Oliver and EJ were right. the two that I put on, and I was like, I'll figure it out from there. Gary Johnson, six and a half sacks. Oh my god, six and a half sacks. <laughs> I'm <laughs> oh, telling you, man. man. I'm okay. telling you, he might be the most underrated player on I defense. I think in the you States. might have something. Honestly, going on. might be. I, I think I tweeted the other day that he's the most underrated player in the states. And I mean, considering again, yeah. considering North Texas defense, right? I haven't heard of him yeah. to this effect, right? So okay, yeah, he's he's a big time player. Uh, 
again, I went with Gary Johnson. Mm -hmm. He's taking that next step mm -hmm. into replacing Malik Jefferson and sure. then some. Uh, Josiah Tauefa, UTSA's defense has been okay. Right. Their offense has been horrible. Yeah. Their front seven, though, has been pretty good. I think considering <clears throat> with Marcus Davenport making the leap he did last year into an absolute yep. freak, I think people forgot how good of a freshman season Josiah Tauefa had. Yeah. And I, th I don't know if he was battling injury a little bit last year. He was. Okay. He was. So his numbers kind of so fell back okay. a little bit. Right. Man, this year he's been stellar. Like he, right. you, he really stands out. He's a future NFL player easily. Uh, obviously, the hair helps, right? You see, you, see, you look for <laughs> him. Like, makes you look a little right, better, right? He's like, oh look, there's the guy with the hair. Oh, and also he's oh. fast and can cover sideline to sideline. And side he just made twelve tackles. What? Right. He knows. Like that's the thing. He knows. He knows how to make the proactive plays. Definitely. And he also knows how to l just lay the bone-chilling hit Absolutely. to where you're like, okay, I'm not going through the A-gap anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. He's, he's that roving uh, middle Definitely. that any defense needs to be just stellar. He's, yeah. he's one of my favorite players to watch. Easily. Yeah. And again, the other guy I went with was Ty Summers, who's mm -hmm. kind of just played everywhere on the field. Right. Which has been so valuable. I mean, TCU's defense, almost by definition, is a unit defense. Yeah. But he's the guy who's allowed them to kind of be elite, right? Mm -hmm. Because Banigou obviously is great, and, and their whole defensive line is very good. Right. Their secondary has a lot of experience. Um, their corner's actually very good, and we'll mm -hmm. get to one of them in a minute. Mm -hmm. But the guy who's really been able to make everything work is, is Summer's versatility. Right. Because they were missing a couple linebackers for a little while, so he drops back there. Mm -hmm. They missed uh, LJ Collier for the first couple weeks of the season. He just went down and played defensive ends, got some pressure on people. So th that's what they've been asking him to do is just to do everything, and he's been able to do it. Sure. And, and again, linebacker was really hard. Dakota Allen is not on this list. I was about. To, I was just about to say. I think we're missing a couple people. But yeah. again, it's because we Who can't. Who do you knock we, off? Yeah, it's, that's the other thing. We're, we're already playing a three-four. Yeah, you know, so it's <laughs> right. like we're already compensating. Like, right. and, we and can't do it anymore. Not only Dakota Allen, but Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Brian London. Yep, still still leading the Sun Belt in tackles per yeah, game. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, to Dakota Allen's, I think, is the biggest name probably missing yeah. from this and, list. And you know what? I think he'll be there by the end of the year. That's fair. But just through the first uh, six games for, for Texas Tech, mm -hmm. he's been very good. Yeah. The unit's been okay. Right. Now, the last couple of weeks, they've really come to light. I was about to say, okay, considering Texas Tech, okay, yes. you will take okay. You'll take okay. <laughs> and they've been abysmal. And the last three weeks, they've been stellar. Right. Uh, especially if they can consider half. those those little performance, like, I don't think yes. we'll ever see, I don't think we won't see what they did against TCU, right? They just shut yes. them down. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that they'll, if they get respectable performances here and there again. Yeah. I mean, they got Iowa State coming up. They got Kansas coming up, first of all. Yes. So, that should help. Iowa State, and then they got a rough two-game stretch of Oklahoma and Texas, yeah. but then Kansas State and Baylor. If they can get respectable performances out of those from their defense, Dakota Allen's going to be the one to lead the way in that. Well, I actually wrote a piece on, on Texas Tech yesterday for TexasFootball.com. Mm. So when you have a bend-don't-break defense, mm -hmm. you're looking at two things. You want to keep guys out of the end zone, yeah. and you want to get the ball back. Right. And they're doing that as well as anybody in the country right now. Let me actually... Real quick, pull up the numbers, but they're number one in uh, in the Big Twelve in conference play. I sure, kind of separated sure. to conference play sure. uh, because they didn't have Deshaun Johnson, and a whole lot went wrong during mm -hmm. that non-conference slate. But in conference play, they're number one in third down defense. Okay, they're number one in fourth down defense. They're number three in rushing defense, <sighs> and they're number four in both scoring defense and forced turnovers. Wow. Okay. This, so they're so they're right. so they're getting off the field and they're yes. getting the ball back. 
Yes. That and, is, okay, that's And that's impressive. what you're looking for. Right, exactly. Especially with a guy like right. David Gibbs who came in and he's saying, he basically came in and said, yeah, we can't stop anybody, so we're right. just going to rip at the ball. <laughs> like, yeah. We're going to rip at the ball and probably going to give up five extra yards trying right. to do that. But if it works, right. it and, works. And what ultimately happens is a game like TCU where, you know, again, we talk about them shutting them out. They finished with 411 yards. Right. But they, but they finished with 14 points, yeah. right? And, and that's what it comes down to is uh, TC went 5 for 17 against them on third down. Yeah. That, and that'll do it, right? Yep, if you can get it. the ball back. If you can get the ball back, get off the field, get right. the ball back, it doesn't matter how many yards you yeah. give up. So Dakota Allen and Jordan Brooks have both been stellar the last couple of weeks of the season. But, mm-hmm. again, it's just who do you knock off? Right. <laughs> and, again, Dakota Allen, I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't there by the end of the year. Yeah. Do you think that the we mentioned the, the lack of – defensive line depth yeah. and kind of the overabundance of linebackers. Do you think that might have to do with defensive coordinators and, and head coaches kind of scheming for the offenses that they're going to see? To because extent. you see, you know you're going to have the spread offense. So it's like, right. okay, do we have a linebacker who can get matched up on a slot receiver? Right. Do we have a linebacker who can edge rush? Right? right? Do we have, as opposed to, you know, you'd probably sacrifice – you know, having only three men, three down linemen, yeah. and an edge rusher or extra guys in coverage, or if you're Texas playing a three-three-five kind right. of, where the, you just litter it with secondary, and then you have coverage linebackers. Do you think that's kind of a kind of a result of that, where they're finally like, okay, let's take a lineman out and bring somebody else who can cover potentially? You know, that's an interesting question. I think that is a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I think that that's definitely a part of it. Mm-hmm. So when, when you don't have an interior defensive lineman who can really cause havoc, right. I think that that means that you have to rely more on your back seven. Sure, sure. You know, and, um, and there aren't a whole lot of those guys right now in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the big thing that probably disappoints me more than anything is just the lack of pass rushers. Sure, right, I, I think right. that that's the one where it's like, okay, that's not about scheme. That's about the talent sure. not being there right now. Right. Um, but, again, at the same time, I mean – I think defenses are being more creative than ever mm-hmm. of trying to find ways to, to scheme against these offenses mm-hmm. and everybody's playing high-flying offenses. Right. You know, I mean, you know, you almost have to ask in these roles, like, okay, you know, I mean, obviously I'm doing three, four, and then four in the, on the back end, but, mm-hmm. like, nobody's really playing with four anymore, and right. Eagles a base defense now. That's true, yeah. And so, um, you know, but I, I think that it's naturally going to make things more difficult again pass rushing is the one thing that i think is going to stay consistent Mm -hmm. and that the production should be consistent and it hasn't been to this point right but um but everywhere else yeah i mean it it does change the way that you play linebacker it changes the responsibilities especially of the the weak side and strong side linebacker yeah um again and and most of the time i mean they're most teams are just playing with the strong side and then a nickel Mm -hmm. you know they're not playing these sort of traditional systems right and and Again, I mean, if there was a more real, real, real standout nickel, mm-hmm. then maybe I would have even made the made the change. There's not really a guy right now that right. I feel like is is a nickel who just there's, you have to look at. I was about to say, yeah, there's no like, there's no uh, there's no unit. I mean, we we'll get to Texas in a little bit, right, probably right, we get right. more on that. But there's no top to bottom right. secondary unit where it's like. They shut people down, right. you know, Michigan State's from a couple years ago, right. Darquez Denard and all those and guys. So, yeah, but, but you know, I, I think that it does affect the defensive line play, especially when you do spread it out so much in the first place. Sure. But moving on to, uh, to the defensive backs, so I, I separated into corners and safety. So the two cornerbacks I had, UNT cornerback Nate Brooks mm-hmm. and TCU quarter, cornerback Jeff Gladney. Yeah. Now, there are eight players who are tied for the NCAA lead with eight interceptions. 
and three of them play in the state of Texas. So these two guys. Says for yourself. <laughs> yeah, these two guys, and also Adrian Fry from Texas Tech. I was and, about to say that's one. Yeah, that was yep. one that I noticed was missing. Yes, and that was a tough cut because mm-hmm. it was it was uh, man because Fry has thirteen. Pa- uh, passes defended this year, yeah, which is pretty That's dang good. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll do it. So and you think teams would learn? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know it is kind of funny. I mean, you know, you can't necessarily with corners learn too much from stats. Sure, but uh, but you know he has thirteen passes defended, only seven tackles, which means he's not having to tackle guys because the ball's not getting there. right, right. <laughs> and they're still trying him for some reason. Like usually, right. usually. Like, because usually when you look at passes defenders, like, oh, they're targeting him a lot. Right. And it's like, okay, well, like if they're Chris targeting... Boyd. Right, like Chris Boyd. Somebody's getting, he's getting targeted a lot, and he and the result uh, result has a lot of tackles, too. Right. Fried in that tackles, man. Fried the ball's not getting his, guys, right. his, like, his and, guys. And, you know, ultimately what I decide is that he's only started three games, yeah. and I'm going to go with the guys who have started six and seven. Yeah. But Fry is a legit up-and-coming star. He might be on this list at the end of the year. Yeah, well, and the other thing about Fry is that you know, Texas Tech really lost a lot when Octavius Morgan went out. Mm-hmm. You know, they, he was supposed to be their number one corner heading sure. into the year. Fry has taken that mantle, and on top of that, he's played better than I think than Morgan really played all of last year. Right. And and next year, I'd imagine that you get Octavius Morgan back mm-hmm. after a medical redshirt year, and you have these two guys <laughs> playing corner. Whew. It's it's gonna Might be some fun times in Lubbock. Definitely. And so Gladney. Uh, so so just back to the the two guys who actually did make it. Yeah. Our list. yeah. Gladney has been tremendous for them. I mean, he's been their lockdown corner. He's had, again, has four interceptions. Mm-hmm. He's just been everywhere, been, been airtight. Uh, and Nate Brooks, the, the big thing with Brooks, you know, he's been good in coverage, but he's just had such timely interceptions right. um, for that North Texas defense. And, and North Texas defense at its core, at its core, I'd say, is a bend-don't-break. Yeah. But I think that they've kind of transcended that a little bit this year mm-hmm. because they're really – they're really happy to go send a lot of havoc. Exactly. Um, you know, and their defensive coordinator, I'm going to get his name wrong, but I think it's Phil Moffitt. Uh, he actually worked with Rocky Long, the San Diego State coach, for a little while. And Troy Moffitt. Troy, Troy Moffitt. Troy, Troy Reffitt. Troy, I don't know. Troy Reffitt. I don't know who I was talking about. <laughs> I don't know who I was talking about. But anyway, Troy Reffitt uh, has done a great job with this unit. He's only been the primary defense coordinator for two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he worked with uh, with Rocky Long at San Diego State, so they play okay. very aggressive defenses. Yeah. You know they're they're bringing a lot of pressure all the time. That's why EJ Agia has got so many tackles for loss. Sure. You know, and and the fact that they've been able to create create that much havoc and then turn that into turnovers. I think they're one of the nation's leaders in in turnover differential. Actually, mm-hmm. that's huge, right? And and that means that they're getting teams off the field, like we were talking about. And again, I mean, you know, we want to talk about that thirty to seven win over Southern Miss last week. Yeah, that was the defensive performance. Oh yeah, the the offense had to catch up, mm-hmm. and that's a little concerning. <laughs> you know, hopefully they kind of get things under control. But sure. but you know, again, they're scoring thirty points and winning thirty to seven. You know, exactly. there's only so much you can ask for. Moving on to the safeties, uh, <laughs> it's the University of Texas. I was about to say, like, do you do? You, is there any? Was there any? Did you have to put a second thought into either of these? Innis Gaines was the tough one for me from TCU. Okay. okay. But, like, I, I couldn't knock any of these two off the list. Right. I mean, these two were just so, so far and away the best players in the state. And and Caden Stearns is a true freshman. I He's mean, ridiculous. Actually, does he have four interceptions, too? He has four picks, yeah. Okay, okay, so four of the eight players with four interceptions <sighs> play in the state of Texas. This is, he's, he's ridiculous. Yeah, man. Caden Stearns, I mean, I, I think that we knew that he was going to be good. I don't think that we thought he'd be good this quickly. Right. 
I mean, uh, especially with like, <laughs> especially because it's not like it wasn't a loaded secondary class that they were bringing in. Right. It's not like the Texas didn't already have a pretty good secondary coming right. back. Like, right. The fact that he's established himself as the best player the on, guy. This, on this defense, right. like, he's looked incredible. He's playing the Earl Thomas out center field role. Right. Anything that covers it comes his way. All right, got it, guys. Everybody back off. And, and they're allowed to do so much because they know they have him back there. Well, and, and it's interesting that you bring it up. He's a small guy. Like, he's still a skinny yeah. guy. Yeah. But he hits so hard. <laughs> <laughs> he has such an aggression to him. And, again, yeah. it's that Earl Thomas where it's like, Earl Thomas isn't big. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I hate I hate projecting him that good this right now. Right. But he's, on, like, he's well he, on track. He's well on track to be something of that caliber. And it's really exciting because he just makes the play. Right. Every game, right. you're like, where's, where's Caden Stearns? He's going to make a play. If he, ha- if he hasn't done something yet, he's like, he's getting a pick soon. Yeah. Like, if the other team's driving, whether it's end zone pick or they just converted a long third down, yeah. Caden Stearns is going to get a pick. Yeah, you know, I got, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So his deal is he loves wolves. Really? He loves wolves. Ooh. He has, like, three tattoos of wolves. Okay. I like this guy even more now. <laughs> <laughs> so when he goes out there, man, he has that wolf mentality. Oh, that and is it awesome. Is showing off. That right? is awesome. Like, he's just going out there and mauling everybody. Yeah. Right? It, it, he's, he's been impressive so far. He, he really, yeah, you're right. He might be the best player on that defense already. We got two, we got two more years of this guy. Like, oh at, the very, at the very least, two more and seasons. And then we get a whole NFL career. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah, and then, uh, and then Brandon Jones, like, hmm? Caden Stern's been so good that we haven't noticed how good Brandon Jones has been this year. Exactly. He's taken that step. Yeah. You know, because last year, you know, last year the, the defense back, you know, was interesting, right? Because Holton Hill was a legit shutdown corner. Right. And Deshaun Elliott was that playmaker. Right. Right. He was the guy who was everywhere making plays. And Brandon Jones was good. And Chris Boyd was fine. Yeah. And, you know, when he came in, Devontae Davis was fine. Mm-hmm. P.J. Locke was okay. You know, and... Now, all of a sudden, it's like Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns is one of the best defensive backfields in all of college football. Right. And I think that Stearns' development, Stearns' emergence, has allowed – because there was a lot of pressure going on Jones this year, right? Yeah. He's, a sec, he's, the, he's one of the veterans going yeah. in, with, paired with this freshman safety. Right. It's like, oh, you can't leave him out to dry. Well, it's like, guess what? He's fine. <laughs> Brandon Jones can just worry about what he has to do. Right. And I think that takes so much pressure off because he's like, oh, I don't necessarily – I, I don't need the extra, I don't have the extra pressure of covering for him or worrying about him. I can just worry on my assignment. I right. can cover my side of the field, exactly. my own assignment, my own man, my yeah. own matchups. Which is and crazy. he can just ball out on his own because he knows he's got this. <laughs> well, a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to rag on an individual player too much, but yeah, sure. a lot of people thought that Chris Boyd was going to be the Big Twelve Defense Player of the Year. Sure. And now he's the third best player in his own secondary. Yeah. And, and that's not a knock on that's him either. Knock on him. I mean, I don't think he's been as good as we hoped. Sure. But like, these two guys have just taken such a step forward. Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely. And insane. when you know, like, when, when you're Brandon Jones and you know, not even the fact that he can take that that Caden Stearns can take care of himself, but that even if you mess up, yeah, there's somebody else there. There's a comfort level in that. Oh yeah. To where you're like. I just got be- – oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, it's cool. Like, there's a very – there's he's not afraid to mess up anymore. <laughs> well, l- let me tell you as a Baylor graduate, uh-huh. knowing that your safeties can make a stop <laughs> is a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> it's a good, good feeling. <laughs> but, yeah, these two guys have been absolutely tremendous. And, I mean, again, Omeni, who's been good up front, Gary yeah. Johnson's taken that step. Mm-hmm. But it's really – 
the back four that have really the stood secondary apart. are what is what makes Texas a defense this year. Yeah, it's been it's been absolutely nuts. And again, both these guys are so young. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Chris Boyd that was kind of hinting back on. He was kind of pushing back on DBU coming back. Yeah, because like we you know we grew up with the Griffins course, and like uh, the Huffs, the Huffs, and uh, Aaron Ross and all those right, guys. And right, so right, I think. Right, right. Yeah, it would be awesome to get back to that, and I think he was kind of hinting, but he's like, not that much pressure yet, guys. Like, chill. (laughs) We don't need that much attention yet. Right. um, The fact that these two safeties are on here, and the fact that they have somebody in the waiting, like a B.J. Foster, or like you mentioned, like Chris Boyd's not even on the list yet, and he's still playing really well. It it shows that there's something to be excited about with that unit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to, you know, maybe the best player in the state of Texas. Let's go. (laughs) Talk about it. How many – what do you think Braden Man's punt average is? Ooh. Braden Man's punt average. Let's see, I'm trying to consider a how far a usually gets. I'll say 40. 54 and a half. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 54 and a half. Oh, that's he, ridiculous. So, so last year, you know, we joked that Michael Dixon is the best player on the University of Texas roster. Right. And we weren't really joking. No, because he's really good for the Seahawks right and, now. And, uh, yeah, he's also one of the best players on the Seahawks. But uh, Braden Mann has taken that step this oh, year. Oh, man, I had no idea. I haven't seen yeah. – I admittedly had not seen as much of A&M as I'd wanted to outside of their big couple games, but – I mean, I even know when you're watching consistent. A&M, I don't know how much A&M punting you should watch. But he has <laughs> been absurd. This is a punter state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, punters run the state, man. It, it's You know what's funny is, is – Coming into the year, yeah. uh, the guy, you know, AM typically has good special teams, sure. right? You know, I mean, Shane Trapuka, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who was actually preseason team for us, Dan LaCamera, mm. he's been hurt this year. And okay. Seth Smalls played well, yeah. um, you know, in his absence. He, he's looked like a freshman at times, but right. he's played well. But Braden, man, oh my God. he has taken that yeah, step. Yeah, I'm looking at these numbers now. This is, this is stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, he averaged 61 <laughs> against Bama. What? (laughs) Are you kidding? And then against Kentucky, which is the one they won, he almost averaged 60. Like, are you you freaking kidding me? He had a punt of 82 against Kentucky. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, and and you know what's funny? So, last week against South Carolina, he had a punt. Uh Uh-huh. And then he forced a fumble with a tackle on the the return. (laughs) Any punter that's willing to throw his body on the line, sign him up for this list. Okay, okay. So, I've I've pulled up his stats. Let's see. So, he has 27 attempts this year, mm-hmm. 17 or 50 or more. And on top of that, uh, let's see, n- uh, nine inside the 20 and five fair catches. So, like, ooh, man. And he's also handling kickoff duty. So yeah, I was about like, to say, yeah, I just noticed he's on kickoff, too. Yeah, it's, it's, and out of 44 kicks, 33 have been touchbacks. Oh, my God. I'm going to look up the, I'm going to look up, do quick <laughs> research on, on live on the podcast. I'm going to see who's leading the nation in touchbacks. That is impressive. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously, I mean, it shouldn't have to be said, but he's leading the nation in punt average by a good three and I'd a half I'd be shocked yards. if yeah. he was not. Really, if, if, you, if you're in the neighborhood of, like, 48, right. those are elite, elite numbers. Good God. Like, actually, there are only four players that have more than 48 yards per punt this year. And, and actually... There's only 17 punters in the whole country that have 45, and he's at 50, 54. Oh yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so nuts. Needless to say, right? This was an easy pick. This is still a punter state. <laughs> this is still a punter state. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay, let's see. 
I think I have it here. Touchbacks. He is. Uh, oh, he is. Okay, he's not as high as I thought, but he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. He's eighth. Eighth. In addition to being an amazing punter, he's eighth in touchbacks. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and look, I'll tell you what. I did not grow up a Big Ten fan. Right. But Michael Dixon made me love punting. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a Texas State fan. I've always been a fan of punting. Sure. <laughs> yeah, again, I watched Baylor uh, in the last couple of years. Not a whole lot of punting. Fair. <laughs> but, but, man, Braden Man has been incredible. Who do you think is the biggest snub from, from uh, the team, uh, but either offense or defense? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another name besides Dakota Allen. Because yeah, that's Dakota just, Allen's an obvious one. Yeah. I don't know. I think the big, as far as biggest name, Dakota Allen to me is the one that's missing, yeah. and it's just it's because of the depth of that position yeah. right now. Yeah, Dakota Allen was an obvious one, mm-hmm. and, and I mean Adrian Fry as well sure. at cornerback. The other one was Jalen Rager, just right? Because it's just oh, man, there's just so many good receivers, mm-hmm. and and that that doesn't even count the guys who have been nicked up and sure. so they haven't gotten a shot, like right. like Denzel Mims being mm-hmm. an obvious one. Uh, he was preseason first team for us, and 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 Jalen Guyton. I mean he's. Been as He's good been as fine. advertised. Yeah, it's just teams know to look at him now, and right. the Rico Bussy's breaking out. Right, right. But man, it's it's a it's a strong team this year. I think. I, yeah. I think that, I think a lot of these players are going to be there at the end of the year because I think that Keontae's going to only get better. Right. You know, Trey Young's not going anywhere. Mason Fine's not going anywhere. Right. Uh, these offensive linemen have been tremendous. I think the wide receivers. It, it would be interesting to see if they switch. I was about up. to say he might be shifting right, some right. In, in and out. Colin Johnson might overtake Humphrey. You know, like right. something. Fry like might that. be might overtake Brooks by the end of the year. Exactly. But it, it's a deep state right now, and um, you know, again, we always like to not try, try to make sure that we're not just only focusing on the Power Five teams exactly. too much. You know, UNT's all over this list. Exactly. On offense and, and on defense. defense. Yeah, we expected fine. We expected a receiver. Right. And, yeah, the def- the defenders are the ones that are kind of really Definitely. surprising me. Tech is all over this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, on defense. <laughs> weirdly enough, I mean, I mean, and especially on offense, yeah. TCU's nowhere to be found. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about it in the office where it's like, Everything depends on that. What happens at quarterback? Last year, you had Kenny Hill, who wasn't a, wasn't a world beater. No, but you knew that he didn't make mistakes. You, he didn't make mistakes. Well, by he, the end of his career, he did. I was about to say, like he, he, you knew he'd make probably a mistake that would keep you from being that right. upper echelon team. But you knew that he would get you to that point of being on the cusp. Sean Robinson hasn't shown the ability to consistently pull him up there. You see flashes, yeah. right? You always see. <clears throat> You see why Gary gave him the keys. Insanely talented, insanely gifted. But I think we, it kind of culminated in that Texas Tech game yeah. where it's like, here's a guy who's trying to thread the needle, who's trying to do the big play when he should just take the sack or take you know, the incompletion. And I think that's really setting the offense back as a whole. Yeah. Because the real, defense has realized, we can rattle this guy. Yeah. We can get to him. Yeah. yeah. So. No, uh, do you know how many turnovers Sean Robinson has in the last five games? By himself. By himself. Seven. Twelve. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> there have been some shocking numbers today. Oh, I know, right? I'm, I'm, ter- I'm either terrible at guessing or there's really... No, there's been some shocking numbers. <laughs> okay. uh, seven turnovers in five games is a lot. Right. Twelve, Twelve is, is you're on the border of a catastrophe. Right. I, I, I think the catastrophe is here, unfortunately, yeah. in Fort Worth. <sighs> yeah. 
Well, Ish, thank you so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. This has been lots of fun. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. This but, is a good list you came up with, by the way. Yeah, so. appreciate it, appreciate it. And, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens the rest of the year mm -hmm. um, because there are just so many players who are right on the cusp. Right. Again, Dakota Allen, Jalen Rager, Darius Anderson even, mm -hmm. uh, and not other players who aren't TCU players, too. Yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> other <laughs> players. But um, – Yeah, I'm looking at it. I mean, look, there's only about maybe four. Yeah. Four or five that I'm like, they're probably going to stay. Right. Everything else right. is pretty fluid. Mason Fine, Travion Williams, Jack Anderson, mm -hmm. uh, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. Probably EJ. EJ's going to stay. And then, like, I mean, Caden Stearns and Brandon Jones probably will. Braden Man. Braden Man. Oh, got a shout out Braden, Braden Man. Man. Uh, so but, that's what, six, seven? Yeah, six. And, and, most of the rest of those guys are gonna could stay. Sure, but like they might not. Yeah, <laughs> and, there's more of a and discussion. That's just gonna make this lots of fun to see how this all finishes out. Well, Ish, I think that that's uh, just about enough talk about yeah. this team. <laughs> but um, but you can find the offensive team is out right now on TextFootball.com. If you're listening to this on Thursday or later, the defensive team might already be out. Make sure and check out for that on TextFootball.com. And you'll also just follow me on Twitter at Shahanjayaraj. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. We'll be back right after the break, actually, to do a very, very quick <laughs> uh, preview of all the games this upcoming weekend. But, Ish, thanks so much for joining us. For sure. And uh, we'll definitely talk to you again soon. We can yeah. follow you on Twitter. What is it? Ishmael R. Johnson? Yes, sir. There you go. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, lots of uh, EPL talk to go along with all the college football talk yeah. and high school football talk. So, Ish, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, man. All righty. All righty. All righty. Alrighty. 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 Thanks again to Ishmael Johns for joining the show. Ish is a great, great college football and high school football writer. He's the managing editor of our Dave Campbell Sex Basketball magazine. Keep an eye out. It's about to hit bookshelves near you. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. But again, like we said, we're going to do a very, very quick version of our game previews. This has been a great show. I, I love having uh, Ish and Greg on the program. They're fantastic, fantastic guests. But let's go ahead and get started. I actually went 6-2 and two last week, so you better pay attention because I'm up to 18-13 and 13 on the year. It's going to be a weird weekend, though. We're going to start it off with TCU versus Oklahoma, 11 a.m. on ABC. TCU is an eight-point underdog against the Sooners. And honestly, ugh, after what I saw last week from TCU's offense, there's no way that they can stick with Oklahoma. Like, Texas Tech played a fantastic game, but that doesn't happen unless your offense is just broken. And I think that TCU's offense, unfortunately, it might just be broken. A week ago, again, they lose to Texas Tech 17-14, to and Oklahoma has not lost back-to-back -back games since Bob Stoops' first year in 1999. That streak continues. Oklahoma wins 42-20. to TCU moves below 500 for the first time, I imagine, in a while, especially this late in the season. Next up, Houston travels to Navy, 2.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Houston is an 11.5-point favorite after beating East Carolina 42-20 a week ago. This isn't the same Navy team that we're kind of used to. You know, they, they're usually a very consistent program, but they lose to SMU earlier in the year. They have some struggles with Temple last week. This isn't the same kind of uh, Navy team that we've expected the past couple of years, and I think that Houston is going to be able to take advantage of that. Houston, I think, is going to win 42-17, to easily cover that 11.5-point line. And Houston, still only one loss on the season. The season is well ahead of them. Next up, SMU travels to Tulane, 2.30 p.m. on ESPNU. 
The Mustangs are seven-point underdogs against Tulane after losing 48-22 to weeks ago against UCF. And Tulane actually had a bye last week as well, but the week before they lose 37-21 to to Cincinnati to move to 2-4 and four on the season. I think Tulane wins this game at home, but SMU, look, at, at the end of the day, they need to come out and they need to have their quarterback ready. They had a bye to work out both Ben Hicks and Will Brown. They need to know who they're going to go with. I think it's probably going to be Will Brown because I think that he's looked very consistent in the games that he's played. But we'll have to see. I think Tulane ends up winning 31-27, to but seven points is a little bit too much. I think SMU ends up covering. Next up, Texas Tech hosts Kansas, 2.30 p.m. on FS1. Texas Tech is an 18.5-point favorite after beating TCU 17-14 a week ago. Alan Bowman's status still not totally known as yet. Uh, I'd consider him questionable going into this one. And, and obviously, if he comes back, it cements this result. But I think that Tech is able to win easily anyway. Kansas actually just fired offensive coordinator Doug Meacham, who, of course, came from TCU previously, where he worked with Sonny Cumbie. But I think that, uh, that Tech is going to be able to still move the ball with absolute ease against Kansas' defense. And I think they win 55-17. to Texas State travels to ULM 6 p.m. on ESPN3. Texas State is an 11-point underdog against ULM. Last week, finally, we saw some signs of life from Texas State. They lose 15-13 to to a good Georgia Southern team. I don't know. Have they learned? Have they learned that they maybe need to get the ball to Keenan Brown more? Has Tyler Vitt taken that step forward at quarterback? I don't know. It's really hard to know. ULM's not a very good team, but I think that they're a better team than Texas State. I'm going to pick Texas State to cover, but just barely. 24-14, to 14, I think, will be the final. Texas State does cover, but it'll be an ugly game. It won't be an attractive game, but I think eventually it's going to be enough to pull off the narrow cover. Next up, we have UTEP traveling to Louisiana Tech, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN+. UTEP is 24-point underdogs and looking to avoid a 19th straight loss dating back to the end of the 2016 season. The Miners had a bye after losing 27-24 against North Texas, which really is one of the most encouraging results that we've seen so far this season. But unfortunately, they're about to go play against a team that actually beat North Texas, and they're about to go play them on their home field. A week ago, Louisiana Tech absolutely manhandled UTSA 31-3. Now, I think that UTEP's offense is actually, weirdly enough, a little better than what UTSA is able to throw out there. But at the same time, their defense is much, much worse. I think that this is going to be an easy win for Louisiana Tech, 34-7. Moving on, UTSA travels to Southern Miss, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. UTSA is 17.5-point underdogs. A week ago, they lost 31-3 to Louisiana Tech, as we mentioned, and Southern Miss lost 30-7 to UNT. The issue is Southern Miss has a very good quarterback in Jack Abraham. They're able to move the ball down the field relatively easily, and UTSA is very good up front, but much worse in the secondary. I think Southern Miss is going to be able to keep the game low scoring, but UTSA is not going to be able to score more than three points. It's going to be a 21-3 finish. UTSA barely does not cover. Moving on, Rice at FIU, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Rice is a 23.5-point underdog against FIU after losing 35-0 to UAB. And look, I, I'm just concerned. Emmanuel Sukba suffers an injury last week. Sean Stankovich suffers an injury last week. If those two guys are out, or even if they're hobbled, I don't know what exactly Rice can bank on. 
Austin Walter has been great, but it's just going to be him. It's literally just going to be him. And I don't think that that's good enough to win any sort of football game. I think FIU dominates Rice 35-10, to 10, and they end up covering the spread. Finally, the game of the weekend, in my opinion, UNT travels to Birmingham to play against the UAB. 6.30 p.m. on the BN Network. UNT is actually a 1.5 underdog. It's been a while since UNT's played as an underdog. I guess it would have been against Arkansas slightly. But, again, obviously they won as an underdog against Arkansas. They won as an underdog against SMU. Now they're going to UAB, a team that looks to be absolutely rolling right now. And I think that they're able to win once again as an underdog. UNT needs this game desperately. In, in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this game is going to decide who ends up playing in the Conference USA title game against the Conference USA East opponent. Because UNT already has a loss on its schedule to Louisiana Tech. And now Louisiana Tech went and lost 28-7 against UAB. So to have a chance to play in this title game, UNT has to hand UAB a loss. They just have to. I think they're going to be able to do it. I think that the defense has taken such a step forward. As we mentioned, EJ Agia, the most underrated player in the state. Ladarius Hamilton playing at a very high level. Nate Brooks. This defense is legit, in my opinion. And offensively, they've struggled to find some rhythm. But once they started running the ball better in the second half, things got a lot better. DeAndre Torrey has looked very good uh, in limited opportunity. I think that Mason Fine is going to be able to, to pick apart UAB through the air just enough to be able to win this football game 27-24. to 24. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thanks to our guest, Ishmael Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on wherever you listen to podcasts. We update every Wednesday and every Sunday. But please give us a five-star review on those platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jahan J. Raja. That's at S-H-E-H-A-N-J-E-Y-A-R-A-J-A-H. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Read all of our work on TexFootball.com. And as I mentioned, our midseason all-offense team is already on the website. Our midseason all-defense team will be coming out on Thursday. So stick around, and we'll make sure to have that up as soon as possible. And if you have any issues with the teams, please let us know. You can at me on Twitter. You can email me. I'm open to feedback. I know that there are going to be some people who aren't very happy. Again, how do you leave Jalen Rager off of an all-Texas team? Trust me, it was a hard decision. Same with Dakota Allen. Same with Adrian Fry. There are just so many good players playing right now in the state of Texas, and we can't wait to keep talking to you about them next Sunday. Thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. And we'll talk to you guys again on Sunday.